0: Corey Allen is the creator of The Astral Hustle, a podcast about mindfulness, meditation, and he's also a writer. And in this conversation, we spoke about why people don't do things that they know they should do to impress people they don't like. We spoke about why getting attention doesn't necessarily equal success. And we spoke about what you should do in your own life as a challenge or a way to navigate through the world. I really enjoyed this conversation with Corey. I think you will will as well. And if you have any thoughts about this episode, let me know on Twitter at HeyDannyMiranda. And if you enjoy it, please share it with a friend. Thank you so much for listening, for watching. This episode is brought to you by My First Million. My First Million is a podcast from two entrepreneurs and creators, Sam and Sean, they talk about the latest in business entrepreneurship and they do it in a funny, interesting, and clever way. And I think you're really going to enjoy that podcast if you enjoyed this one. So check out My First Million wherever you listen. But now onto the podcast with Corey Allen. So last time you were on the podcast was February, and I actually I reviewed it last night, and I was like, "Wow, this is crazy!" You know, just a it's cool to see how you interact with different things at different times in your life, and yeah, um, I I really appreciate you coming on again today. So. Sure, yeah, my pleasure, man. Yeah, no, I I uh, I'm happy to do it.
1: Happy to be here with you. What's changed in your own life since February? <laughs> That's a good question. I guess um, a lot of my cells in my body have died and been regenerated. (laughs) Um, I I turned 40 in in February, I suppose. I don't know what the day was when we talked last time, but I assume it was uh, probably before my birthday. Um, And I sold a new book. Um,
0: And yeah, I mean, you know, those, those type of things. Has it been a pleasant experience for the past it, it, it eight, just eight, nine months? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. It's fine. That's how I feel about existence. I mean, it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's been fine. <laughs> I mean, I just, there's no complaints, um, have fun and, uh, you know, just do what I do. You know, it's like, I guess I feel, I always feel like, um, like a gentle observer of life that's like flowing by and just being a part of it almost like dangling in the breeze or something like that and it doesn't feel particularly good or bad it's just here and i'm here with it and i try and have fun with that as much as i can when did that experience for you start uh, I was in a car crash, and <laughs> no, I wasn't a car crash, but um, but that wasn't it. Um, I mean, that experience is is cultivated over a long period of time. You know, um, I think that whenever I was younger, I had a sense of kind of a natural meta awareness about me, um, probably out of necessity, but um, I had that. And then as I went into doing things that I enjoy, you know, messing with my consciousness and trying to understand reality and, and so forth more in myself, ultimately, um, I just began to experience that not only as a concept, but also as a participant of that. And that's a, a big, you know, factor in a lot of the things of, you know inner life and and the exploration of mind is it's very easy to conceptualize. well sometimes it can be it can be easy to conceptualize some of the ideas around consciousness and inner life and so forth but to have them sink into kind of the soil of your mind where you you become a participant in those things is a a different story and I think that it just takes time to not only understand that, but for that to come into fruition.
0: Is there any demarcation point you point to where you're like, all right, there I was understood it. And there I became a participant. Like, is there
1: a... um, I think that it's, it's a gradual process. Yeah. And I think that there's these, there are these, these are the weirdest chairs ever, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know who these are for, but it's definitely not me. Um, yeah, like the, uh, it's, there are these moments where you have, this is my experience, you have these kind of rising moments of awareness and you'll kind of have a little period of time that's kind of a breakthrough period. And then that will coast for a while and then it will kind of swell again and you'll have another breakthrough period mm. but it's not like a particularly like a lightning strike where you're like everything's different now you know Th- that's one of the things that actually always makes me laugh about like zen koans is that they're they're meant to be you know these poems that induce enlightenment but they're you know they're stories typically and i like that whenever they will end a lot of them about like you know the Zen master said this and then the other guy was enlightened you know like like obviously it's just kind of doing an illustrative version of what that could be like um but that isn't really the way that it tends to go um but i think that those those periods are important because you have these growth periods and things like a lot of different elements of things that you've been studying or paying attention to slowly connect in ways that you wouldn't have anticipated. And then whenever they do connect, there's then a period of reflecting and like integrating that mm. and then
0: moving towards the next thing. Could you give an example of what it looks like to understand something and then experience something, then reflect on it? Like, what is that, what does that whole process look like? Yeah, for sure. I,
1: that, that's a great question. Um, so the first like big one of those for me that was pretty, like just sticks in my mind was whenever I was I think about eighteen or something like that. I was reading a lot of Buckminster Fuller, who is like this scientist, uh, futurist guy. That, he's an amazing guy. But he's um, just a genius scientist. You know the geodesic dome. You familiar with that you would if you saw it it's basically like a half of a circle made out of triangles or a full circle just made out of triangles so uh-huh. the surface of the circle is a triangle but it's an architectural structure um you even see it on a playground it's like a, a dome that's made out of triangles kids could like climb on he basically and, you know that was one of his big breakthroughs was like this is the new house this is going to be the geodesic dome um anyway and so he him and then this other this author that's like kind of a hippie uh writer philosopher uh, guy named robert anton wilson i was reading a lot of their stuff at the time and so they were talking about like what is the a level of awareness that is close to really where most of this stuff is going to which is like accessing the true nature of reality understanding experience beyond the bias and narrative assumption of your own consciousness and getting closer to not only what's happening but also being there with it as it's happening so seeing clearly and seeing it in the present moment right so one so bucky bucky fuller had this thing uh that he would say that reality is non-simultaneous interactive apprehended processing that's how he would describe it now of course, not everyone can be a poet. He's clearly an engineer, you know, and a scientist. What does that mean? Uh, well, I'll break it down. So like, I thought about that term and I was like thinking about it, thinking about it. And basically what it's doing is it's describing from a very engineering point of view and a very Western mind point of view, the act of like present awareness. Mm. So uh, non-simultaneous means that you're you're perceiving only this area of reality. Like we know what's happening in this room right now, but there could have been like a giant explosion two blocks away and we wouldn't be aware of it, right? So because we're here now, because the field of our perception is only aware of this. Mm. So on the map of our consciousness, that doesn't exist, right? Until we become aware of it and it's added to the map of our consciousness. Now it exists, right? Um, So non-simultaneous is meant to introduce the idea and the awareness that, like, we are only perceiving an objective reality. What is in the field of our perception at any given moment, right? Mm-hmm. And then the apprehended thing is, of course, taking that in the and then the uh, processing is is creating the feedback loop between your awareness of what's going in and the external world. So, I know this is complicated. I'm sorry. No. So the world, like. Our, we are always taking in like a microscope, this reading of the objective world, processing it, but then there's a cyclical feedback loop of like continuously doing that. So we're always taking in the information, always creating and updating our real-time story of of reality and what appears to be happening to us at any given moment. So <clears throat> anyway, I was thinking about that sentence and like it got in this weird earworm for me, like I, where I... I was just like walking around like a, like a lunatic <clears throat> going like non-simultaneous interactive app processing. that's something I just like over and over. And I was, why did
0: that stick to you so strongly? I couldn't
1: tell you. Like, it, I thought it was, it just, the music of it sounded good to me, mm-hmm. you know, and it was, a, had a weird rhythm to it. And I also liked the idea. I was trying to like, really take that idea from like conceptual idea to experiential. And so, I call this experience the unbearable lightness of peeing, right? So I go, I go into the bathroom in this bookstore I was at, and I'm just like, go to pee. And I'm like thinking about that term. I'm saying it to myself, like muttering it. And it just like hit me like a ton of bricks, the actual experience of understanding that as opposed to just the concept. And it was kind of like the, the walls of a movie set fell down. And I was like, whoa, and I, I, became aware of my own perception. Um, So that was like a moment where I had one of those raising of consciousness moments. Then moving forward, how that, you know, turned into something that was practical and like in practice was from that moment on, I was like, oh, what arguments don't exist anymore. Like, you, you know, because if you're ever, you're basically just litigating on behalf of your own perception, in, in most cases as mm-hmm. far as things based on opinion that are like you can't triangulate uh, you know with external information and the mo- most important thing is like recognizing that how i saw the world at any given moment was completely different than how every other person saw the world yeah and them expressing something that like i didn't agree with or that i did agree with or that didn't make sense to me was completely as valid, not true, but valid as what I experienced. Simultaneously, the same is true for me, where like what I perceive to be correct is not correct. It's a preference based on my past experiences, you know, but it has the illusion, a very beautiful and strong illusion of accuracy. Mm. So much so that few people in life, you know, we're not trained to see past that. And so we mistake our own like lazy unexamined perception of reality to be truth Hmm. and that creates a lot of suffering because in that we assume that our feelings and our thoughts are facts and uh if you can't see past that you're blocked from uh, a lot of wonder that's available in life but also a lot of compassion and a lot of understanding and it keeps you from expanding your own depth of self-awareness because the more that you understand other people the more that you understand yourself
0: the idea that when you look our reality is not the actual reality i think of the news and i think of you know how today the available spectrum for what we know about the world is so much greater than what it was 50 years ago Mm -hmm. and how that must be difficult for people to comprehend or navigate with because suddenly we have access to so many of the world's problems all at the same time. It's like can make someone feel quite overwhelmed if they don't have this realization.
1: Yeah. Or even if you do have it, it's (laughs)
0: overwhelming because then
1: you're just more aware of your, it's like if you're like tired and you're really run down, you're like, I'm gonna have another cup of coffee. And you like, great, now I'm just really aware of how tired I am, <laughs> you know? I have no more energy, no more focus. Uh, yeah, so it, it
0: can be good. But it also, you can, yeah, it, it obviously it can be useful as
1: well, you know, in those
0: situations. So, like, if someone does feel overwhelmed by all of the world's problems, what do you recommend <laughs> them do? I recommend focusing
1: on what's right in front of you, you know, because we can't, like, as institutions are what in in like huge systems are what create change over long periods of time.
0: Hmm.
1: Like if we say, if right now we're like, let's stop world hunger or whatever you and I right now, if we go out and pass out all the sandwiches that we can in Austin, it's not going to even the needle won't move on reducing world hunger. Right. Hmm what we would have to do is to start a foundation and get, you know, billions of dollars of capital infusion and then create a logistic system across the world to distribute, you know, like, so a system co- cre- causes world, or creates world problems and causes them, <laughs> but, uh, but people, so people feel really helpless because like, what can I do? Right. Yeah. What can, well, but what you can do as an individual is you can focus on your life. Right. Like, how are you existing in the world and how are you treating the people that you engage with? What are you doing in, like, how you express yourself, how you hold yourself, how you share with other people, how you listen to other people, how you support the people right around you? You know, all of that stuff is how you can really make a change. Because that type of change, like, this comes from the inside out. And you become a person who, instead of you're like, oh, I'm really freaking out over the fact that there's so much like suffering and noise and chaos in the world that just is essentially a type of of abstract existential anxiety Mm. because even someone who's like i'm really freaked out about all the problems in the world it's like well tell me in detail about all these problems that you're freaked out about and they're like well the people are uh, they're hungry and i read a list of bullet points and that's what has me all wound up and it's like you know, my point is like, in most cases, people aren't even particularly educated on the things that are freaking them out. They just think, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So how much, how close, like it, so it's a lot of energy spent <clears throat> where you could be spending that energy elsewhere, right? Why
0: do so many people do that then?
1: Well, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, it's okay. one, it it is overwhelming to look at like we're not designed to like hey hey look at here's like scroll on reddit or or whatever and look at there's like a billion problems going on and and everyone's suffering and of course like there's not a lot of articles on people cozying up on the couch with their golden retriever you know like and so we don't see that stuff we see a lot of the crazy stuff that gets attention and so like it's overwhelming and then just the idea, I mean, on a larger scale, I think that the idea of world suffering, um, it affects us because it is kind of a mirror in the sense of humanity, right? Like we we don't like the idea that people are just miserable out there because we're like, oh, well, I'm a people, you know? Mm. Like that's kind of, um, it's disturbing. And also there's kind of that uh, thing of like, I I think maybe people worry about it could be them one day as well, you know, Um, but people also focus on those things to distract themselves. So it's like a weird type of faux purpose to have where it's like, instead of focusing on what's happening in your life and how you could make, you know, yourself live better and work, address your immediate issues. It's easy to like focus on unreachable issues. With a cause or a purpose, and be like, "Oh, like I'm really freaked out about this because this and this and this and this." And it's like, yeah, you know, it's like a type of a form of distraction. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons, but um, none of them are particularly healthy, you know.
0: Since you're a meditation teacher, what is the the thing that people come to you with and say, "I'm having a problem." What what's the what's the most common reason? You find that problems
1: yeah, come to you. And it's funny is that like, everyone calls me a meditation teacher where like, I just kind of talk about <clears throat> meditation and I, I have created like a couple of courses, but it's interesting is like, I don't have students or like classes or anything like that. Hmm. Um, I just like, I try and talk around meditation so that people can arrive to it on their own so i'm sort of like a, i don't know almost like I, I maybe it's like back in the day where someone would just like kind of write essays on a topic instead of being a teacher of the topic that's i think that's maybe what i do because i feel like meditation is something that you only really grow to learn through experience mm. and so i kind of talk about it because i find it so useful i talk around it and so that people can find their own entry points into their own experience by it so maybe i'm like a meditation midwife or something (laughs) um but anyway the problems that people generally have now that said i do get you know hundreds of dms a day of people asking me stuff oh my god um I didn't say
0: reply to them all (laughs) or read them. (laughs) It's a lot of people who are struggling or or who find wisdom in your writing or what you're putting out into the world.
1: That's a very nice perspective on it. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I mean, most people just feel anxious, freaked Mm -hmm. out. You know, they feel freaked out and unable to focus and uncomfortable in their own skin you know, and they're looking of like, how can I, and really, if, once you chase that down a little bit, I find that through that, and also just what people are hitting me with like internet feedback constantly, I think that most people are looking really to feel a sense of control in their lives so that they can change it in the way that they desire and then feel good and have some type of hope for what their future might be. And that's why, like, I've really gotten to, as far as my writing, my writing used to be very kind of a lot more Zen kind of statements of like, just notes on my own self-awareness of like, this might help you. And it's really evolved to being a lot more functional and a lot more, I um, don't want to, I don't mean it to be inspiring, <laughs> but.
0: Isn't that in the title of yeah. your your Instagram name? Yeah,
1: that's just a meta, that's a, a, a hack because whenever people go into, um, it's like a metadata hack. So whenever people go to Instagram. And they search
0: inspirational quotes, I'll your name up.
1: will pop up. Exactly. Yeah. Um so I suppose it's more of like I want people to be motivated, but I want them to be motivated from within. Mm. But I try and share some of my like um internal fire with people to show them that like they're so much they're they're capable of so much more than they give themselves credit for. Even in the world, the spooky world of
0: the inner mind,
1: inner life type of world. That's where you have the most control.
0: Mm. When, when you say your writing is, has evolved, is there any an example you could come to or point to to say, okay, I would have said it like this and now I'm saying it like this instead?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I might have to pull out my phone, but <laughs> let's, pull
0: up, let's pull up the Instagram. I'm curious from, from your perspective, breaking this down, take my phone off silent mode because I'm always interested in, I've always been interested in writing and. Writing to me is like a window into the soul, a window into who we are at our deepest level and trying to communicate those thoughts to other people. Yeah. And you're somebody who I believe writes incredibly well. Thank you. Succinct and clear and helpful. And I just wanna understand like how your own writing has evolved. Sure, yeah. I like to
1: try and I I like like I like my writing. I want to be as clear and like sharp and purposeful as possible. Mm-hmm. That's like really important to me. And it's like it's like chess to me as well. Like I, I, I'm kind of obsessed with chess as well. And it's like every move has to make sense, but it's like conceptually, but also in a sense of grammar and like language. Um, and really, if you look at my, um, all each of my um, posts are, they're like mini logical arguments. Mm. So there's always like a premise, a supporting statement to support the premise, and then a functional aspect so, so someone can take that into action. Huh. And like it resolves. Like 99% of them. Um, okay.
0: It's an interesting way to put it.
1: Yeah. And that kind of... Um, I'll tell you why that happened. This is the most exciting podcast ever, me scrolling, looking at <laughs> my
0: own posts. No, but I, I really do find it interesting. And I'm curious to hear how... How it has evolved, and how how your own process has evolved. I have
1: well. a, a. Actually, I can I can probably find a good a, a quicker way to do this real quick, so that um, people at home aren't jerking the wheel into a uh, we can edit tel- it out telephone pull. <laughs> I mean, I'm comfortable with silence. I was actually just talking about this with someone uh, yesterday. As someone said, I look at you as a pretty introverted person. And I was like, "Uh, I'm not introverted. I'm just comfortable with silence. Hmm. But I know that like other people aren't comfortable with silence And so I'll like help them out if if they're not, because like, yeah, exactly. Like we could sit here and chill and just be quiet for 15 minutes and I'd be perfectly happy.
0: I want to come back to that. (laughs) Which, what phone is this by the way? It's an iPhone mini. A mini. Okay. Yeah. It's because my thumbs are short. You got short thumbs? I think so. Yeah.
1: I, uh, I'm so blind, man, that i uh, just trying to I have so many. Oh, there we go. Okay. So this is a great example. This one is actually where the first sentence was originally its own post, like, like two years ago or something. Then recently, apparently on May 5th, I <laughs> wrote more to that, but used the first sentence. So it's a good example. So the first sentence is clarity is realizing your mind is full of assumptions. Say that again for me. Clarity is realizing your mind is full of assumptions. Hmm. So that would be one of my, you know, just a kind of a a Zen statement of like, all right, think about that for a while, if you like, and it can do things for you if you think about (laughs) it. (laughs) Right. And now you're guiding somebody towards where to go exactly so the rest of it would be now this post updated is clarity is realizing your mind is full of assumptions understanding this helps keep you from jumping to conclusions or creating false stories in your head this builds an inner patience that allows you to think less reactively and with greater intention you can also see the logical premise that I was talking about too so the first sentence is a statement That's stating the premise. Then the second sentence, understanding this helps keep you from jumping to conclusions or create creating false stories in your head. That's a supporting argument for the first sentence. And then the third sentence, this builds an inner patience that allows you to think less reactively and with a greater intention is the motivating conclusion
0: of that logical premise. That's beautiful. I'm really (laughs) happy you broke that down and we'll put it out on the screen for those watching on YouTube. Right on in general how how has how has writing impacted you as a person like how has what you've written transformed you personally
1: yeah that's a great question and in huge ways like writing is such a clarifying process like a self-clarifying process because before i started writing all the time um I thought I had ideas, (laughs) you know? And it's interesting is that like, we feel like we have big ideas and it's really just like mental formations are so filled with like energy and um, excitement that it often clouds what the actual information in that idea is. So a great way to see how little of an idea you have is to try and write it down. Because you can think of something about, oh, this is it. Like, I'm going to start a business. I get this great idea. It's like, great, great. Write it right out of the business plan. And it's like one sentence. And it's like, oh, I actually have nothing. <laughs> you know um, And so for me, like writing is really good for that. Because not only is it just like, okay, let's really develop some ideas here. Let, and let's see what I actually think because the mind like with thoughts flying by they're just like it's just a series of birds flying through the sky that you see once and never see again and to stop and to catch some of those and to go like okay what do i really think like let's truly examine and turn this from a half known mind into a fully known mind mm-hmm. let's know like w- over time how i think and and what is resonant you know over like the course of days or weeks or, or months or years or whatever and so that's why it's very self-clarifying is because you're writing things down and you're looking at them and then you're looking at them later
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and that's really interesting is because we're not the same person moment to moment day to day and it's kind of fascinating to like write something and to get that like charge and that excitement we're like oh, right, this is really meaty this feels great and you read it a day later and you're like this looks like a fifth character greater wrote this (laughs) you know (laughs) Um, or you can just be like hmm that's it just doesn't feel right you know so it's it's really useful to like because a part of creation and also just like human experience is a lot of it is predicated upon like a self-enamored enthusiasm with the fact that we exist and can create and say things at all. And by that, I mean that like, we get a stupid idea and we're more interested in the cleverness of the fact that we thought of something and we can say it to a friend or whatever, than actually thinking through the idea itself. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's just like kind of how people are. But the same with the creative process as well. So like, we could write something, we could start working on a piece of music or something like that you're like oh this is killer and it's it's the feeling the enamorment the excitement that you created something is what's guiding you um but to get into a a creative practice and to be able to like look back at those things it's good because you learn how to make that energy that comes up whenever you're creating something work for you in a different way so it becomes a lot more low key and baked into the whole process as opposed to the initial creative process because normally you'd be like all right i'm really stoked i'm gonna like create this thing ah it feels great and then you hate it the next day but after practice that feeling of like ah let's you know make something that becomes less blinding and less of a confusing element of creativity because the enthusiasm can make us um see less clearly Hmm. because it's all about like uh, as opposed to thinking in a focused way right and seeing things objectively and so like writing and seeing that your ideas outside of yourself over a period of time helps you really understand what you think helps you clarify and build on your own ideas and also the practice of it turns that kind of enthusiastic energy of creation into something that supports the deeper uh, journey of creativity as opposed to just what kicks it off, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, well, was there any period of time when you noticed the enthusiasm, like is there an implication in that, that the enthusiasm is bad? No, no, no. It, okay. It's just
1: that, like, that's usually what people need to get started. You right. Know? Um, but I think after you do it for a while, your relationship with that just changes. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was, like, 35 that I was like, all right, let's really... Like, it was always kind of slowly changing. Um, but, like, until I was, like, 30, it was all insane enthusiasm where i just felt like a comet like coming down to earth all the time and then i started seeing kind of the wisdom of patience and shifting my relationship with creative energy uh towards a different thing and it was then whenever i really began to start building something that was meaningful for me what happened at 35? well um yeah between 30 and 35 I mean one I just was getting older I think um and had just been doing it for so long like I've been you know I started writing music whenever I was a teenager and started like composing music in my early 20s um and I think that one of the big things that happened is I just kind of like got over myself Mm. you know where I had this story that i was always holding on to of like i'm gonna be this like i want to be this great thing and blah 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 and I, I whatever and through a series of just you know life you, know, you realize it's just none of your dreams come true no, i'm just joking <laughs> you know it's just um one catastrophe after the next you know uh yeah i mean you just kind of get the shit kicked out of you a little bit like you know everyone does and uh you realize that it's a lot harder and the world doesn't bend to your will. Mm. And that, uh, you have to kind of let go of this. I don't know, this egoic energy and really buckle down and dig in and get real with what you're doing. And to me, like letting go of that stuff of like some preciousness some like vanity around being a creative person, some arrogance around like thinking that I was, you know, smart. Um, just like letting all that shit go over a long period of time. Um, and actually letting it go, you know, not just, being like, you know, there's layers to it, you know, where you're like moving in that direction, but it just kind of gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And, um, whenever i was able to really like get over all that stuff and get over myself then that's whenever stuff started getting good
0: okay so like what does letting go of a thought or an identity actually look like it's it's an ephemeral concept mm-hmm. and one that i feel like i can relate to in some respect in some parts of myself but i'm curious from your perspective like how do you take a thought or a part of yourself or an identity or a character trait. And you're like, you let it go. Like, how does that process work?
1: Yeah. Um, I get like a hand drill and just go right in front of me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or a coat hanger in the ear, you know, that's a good way to do it. Um, yeah. And I mean, like really awareness is like internal awareness is like a warm, ray of sunshine that melts the ice of our arrogance and ego and negative character traits. <clears throat> What's interesting is that you don't really have to do anything. You just have to notice and notice and renotice and renotice. And having your awareness, your internal awareness, focused on that quality of yourself, it begins to subconsciously, become more self aware of that element of self. And you see how unpalatable that it is, and how you don't want to have that part of self in your character. And through the growth of your own awareness of that, you slowly stop participating less with that aspect of self. And so really, the hardest part, with any of this stuff, with, you know, that type of thing, or with even like meditation or mindfulness or something like that, is the first step is the awareness part the first time you become self-aware of a thing that's the hardest part because you're going from blind to seeing you know and then from there it's just a matter of patience and time until it you know generally uh will work itself out that's you know people that come and ask me about you know meditation and they say uh they're like you know i tried meditating one time and like i totally feel like i'm not a person that can meditate because i you know i was fidgety and my thoughts were going all over the place and blah 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 and it's like well have you were you aware of your fidgetiness and your thoughts going all over the place before that and they're like well no not really i was kind of on autopilot and it's like you just had a big breakthrough it's easy from there you did the hard thing you
0: know well that's happening all the time constantly yeah, When we're not aware of it yeah. often, which is wild. It is wild. I want to go back to the silence piece of it. Mm. Because you said you're comfortable in the silence. You could sit here for 15 minutes in the silence. I'm curious, was it always that way? Or when did it start for you to be comfortable with silence? Um,
1: I've always liked silence. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think that, again, as as these things deepened... Um, I used to, whenever I was like in my twenties specifically, and also in my early thirties as well, like I liked to just like entertain in a way with everyone. I mean, really just peeking under the hood a little bit. It's like a, uh, needing some type of sense of control over the situation, So if you're the funny one that's talking shit or also or like trying to throw weird theories at people to like, you're, you're always the one that's casting the light and like, keeping things cooking a little bit, you know, and that gives you a sense of like safety, because there's no chance of getting into anything emotional, you know, (laughs) and it gives you a little bit of control, a little bit of like, even though you've, it has the appearance of connection you're actually more disconnected from people in a weird way because you're like joking around and and whatever and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, and you feel like, Oh, we're having a good time together, but it's so surface level. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I used to like try and be like charming to keep people like away to keep this sort of, and I didn't even really realize I was doing it. I thought that I was just like, you know, I don't know, being entertaining and having, being a a harbinger of fun, you know? Or charismatic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And so, and so as I, uh, yeah, as that that part of me kind of grew out of that and I stopped caring about trying to do any of those things, um, I then just became really comfortable with just existing i mean that's one of the big things it's like a i think it's kind of an odd perhaps it could be an odd quality of my personality is like i am very comfortable just like being and the you know i'm sure 25 years of meditation didn't hurt but like whenever you know i don't need to relay the information flowing through my mind to feel anchored with someone else mm. right or myself I'm always in a state of just like watching mm. and observation and all of the stuff in front of that is where all of that discomfort and messiness and social contractiness stuff comes in right because people think that they're playing a role in fulfilling the actor role of their identity characters that they either if they're aware or not have applied to themselves or at the very least are attached to and for example (laughs) because it's probably good to clean that one up a little bit like i really like uh william burroughs this writer from you know back in the day he had this thing where he called people human tape recorders and i think about that a lot Where it's like people feel like they must like talk and repeat things and say things and relay elements of like what they're thinking and who they are all the time in order to feel comfortable and connected or whatever. And to me, it's just odd, you know? Um, Like if I get into like a elevator with someone and they're like, Hey, how's it going? I'm sort of like, that's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting that like two bipedal mammalians animals are shuffling through some weird three-dimensional space getting into a steel box and that one of them feels compelled they must make a you know series of shapes with their mouth and exhale to create a vibrational tone that suggests agreeability like that's how my mind kind of generally sees things and so i'll observe i'm like that's so interesting that this like creature felt like almost spiritually, divinely possessed to, they must say a greeting or to make some type of thing to me if I walk into the elevator. And so like, and of course I could, I'll respond because I'm not a sociopath, <laughs> but it's what it's, and I'm doing it for them, not for me, you know, I'm, Hey, how's it going? You know, but it's not for me. I would happily just get on and not even have to do that thing, right? But if you look at that, like, in, like, (laughs) if you take that, track that one experience just to kind of all experiences, then it can, it's just too far out, I think, for people to be comfortable with. Because it's like, you know, the essence of being is just, like, presence. And all of the other stuff expressing the contents of consciousness is just kind of chewing gum for our existential predicament in some way. And it doesn't mean it's bad,
0: but I don't need it. Wouldn't you, wouldn't an argument be that you're doing that in a sense by writing and putting out your thoughts into the world? It's like, Look at this human who's putting his thoughts into the <laughs> yeah. world to other humans, sure. you know, but there is a benefit to that. There's yeah. a benefit to the person saying hello to you in the Absolutely. elevator, you know, so it's yeah. it's interesting. It's like, it's like, it is part of a weird dance that's happening, but in some respect, it's, it's almost like no judgment to it yeah of course i know you're not judging it you're just observing it yeah yeah but but it's it's interesting like yeah it no and it is because you're doing that in your own way as well
1: right right yeah and it is a good thing like the the being a convivial human is like a good healthy thing um i suppose my relationship is just that like i don't like need that stuff Mm because I find it good, but not necessary, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like observing the the flow. So that whenever, earlier when we were talking and I said I could be comfortable just kind of sitting in silence for 15 minutes, like I'm super happy just to be here, like chilling in the present with another human without having to talk about like, so, uh, you know, like, what have you been, it's like, we could also just chill and have a similar conversation in a way of just kind of like hanging out together and being here and then if something arises or actually arises and is meaningful then you get into real communication
0: right why do you think you were at one point in your life attracted to the surface level and then at another point in your life not disgusted that's too <laughs> harsh of a word but but just but trying to find and seek deeper meaning like w- what what went into surface level to deeper probably uh wanting to be liked versus
1: not caring if i'm liked <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think that's the simple way i think the listeners could use a few simple answers <laughs> at this point <laughs> yeah i mean just yeah, that's it. Wanting to be liked and then now I'm just like I just who I am and that's just I'm fine with that.
0: One thing that is most people have heard is just that, you know, meditation has been helpful for so many experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people probably have in the back of their mind like I should be meditating or I should be r- r- take meditating for anything that you should be doing exercising or drinking water whatever it may be why from your perspective do you think that people don't do what they want to do or what they know is best for them Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good question
1: um i think that people are just one people are pretty lazy like we're kind of designed to conserve energy yeah you know also i think that people like to have an idea that makes them feel good that they can kind of think about doing something without then ever getting around to actually doing it. Um, so they feel like they have one foot in it and they're like, I want to, you know, work out or something like that. And I well, not this week, like, you know, you know, maybe next week I'm going to do it. So they feel good. Like they got some momentum, but really they're not doing anything. And I think that we fall into the trap of, um, there's something the states of change model, which is kind of an interesting way to describe this. Uh, And there are are, there's the pre contemplation stage, like the contemplation stage, the preparation stage, and then the action stage. And um, pre contemplation is no awareness. So let's say you gained 20 pounds. And you're like, you don't you don't realize it. And then one day you look at a picture of yourself and you're like, holy hell, I gained 20 pounds. That's the click. Okay, now there's a definition here. There's awareness. But then the the contemplation stage is thinking like, now that you have that awareness, you don't immediately like get in the car and burn rubber to the gym and start bench pressing. You're like, okay, I need to make some changes. You know, not today, but uh, it's on my to-do list. And so you spend X amount of time kind of gathering information, thinking about like, let me, you know, I want to do this. And then the next phase is like preparation where you're actually like planning, coming up with a routine, a diet or whatever. And then the final one is the action where you actually start doing it. That's how a change is made. But most people, I, from my observation, just confuse the contemplation stage for the action stage. So if you're like, yeah, I'm going to like, I'm going to work out and get in shape feel better. And like you go, let's say you even go to the, you know, you go on a walk for 10 minutes and you're like, I'm doing it. And then you do that once a week and then you continue eating cake or whatever at night. And you're not, you know, you're not on a mindfully calorie restrictive diet. Um, Nothing against cake. Uh, And then you work out again for 15 minutes the next week. And then you're like, okay, let me check the scale on Friday. And you're like, wait, I gained two pounds well, what is this? Like, I've been working out. I've been thinking about it like every day. And it's like, well, zoom out a little bit and look at objectively what really happened. Hmm. You've worked out for 30 minutes in two weeks. That's why you're not seeing any results. But by staying in that stage of contemplation, you're able to kind of get the narrative of... It's interesting is like, it, it allows you to be the hero and the victim at the same time. Mm. <laughs> We're like, I'm trying to like, I'm working on this. I'm outraged that this isn't happening, you know, cause I'm doing the right thing, but I'm a victim because it's not like, I'm not seeing any results. And it's cause they're just confusing, thinking about doing something for actually doing something.
0: I have never thought about it like that. Like so much that I got like tears in my eyes <laughs> of like- That's my goal. Effective. <laughs> They cry, they see me, and two seconds later, they I don't, start crying. I don't know why. Maybe because it's just, I think, such an important realization how we can sometimes play the hero and the victim at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Like, I've just never thought about actions and, and improving your life as that. It's just a fascinating concept. Well,
1: I'm glad we had this conversation then. <laughs> at least get one in.
0: <laughs> one thing that sticks. No, it definitely, definitely did. Um, when you, when you think about like adding the identities to yourself, like, okay, so you're on Instagram, right? And now you got a following on Instagram huh? and you're, you're meditating and you're talking about meditation and you got a podcast, right? Like you're adding all these things you're doing. How do you not let that become an identity itself. It's because those things are like repercussions of
1: what I would be what I'm doing like anyway mm. in life. That's one of the things that like about, you know, people ask me about my career. Yeah. Where I'm like, no, the like my goal from the outset intentionally was always just to do things I enjoy doing and then have those things happen to turn into things that create a career yes and so i suppose those different things the podcast the writing etc those aren't me adding elements of identity they're just who i
0: am that's being shared yeah and it's i think that's a really helpful way to frame it because i'm sure has it become more difficult for you to do as the things have grown? For example, like it's very easy not to be associated with your Instagram writing when it has 10 followers. Right. But then if 250,000 people are following you, does it, I think for most people, it would inherently become more difficult not to be associated with that or identified with that yeah. at a deep level. Has that been the case for you? Uh It's gotten easier.
1: Easier. Yeah, because I think, Like I just I think I did so much work before I had like public success. Yeah. That I was like too old and too like I'd been What do the kids care about too much Yeah. Yeah. I just I had been I don't know, I think I had so much reality just hit me over the head for so long that by the time that you know anyone was interested you know, i was i was already over my i was right over it you right know, i was over myself and so i suppose now it's easier like it's because you know whenever i was starting doing stuff publicly i was trying to like yeah like this will be fun like let's get some stuff going and now that's going i can just kind of i'm less and less attached to it
0: isn't that interesting like Mike Posner. Are you familiar with Mike Posner? It rings a bell. He's a musician and, and an artist who, in his 20s and early 20s, is very obsessed with like success and being known. And he achieved some of those things. He was like a touring artist and mm-hmm. you know, ripping his shirt off at concerts <laughs> is how he often describes something, very full of himself. And then he goes on this inner journey and he you know, sits, does long meditation sessions and starts to get more in touch with himself. And then what happens is he has more success, but he doesn't care about it as much. Mm -hmm. More quote unquote success to the old version of himself.
1: I find that interesting. It is interesting and it raises the question, what happens if you do that stuff and you never find success, then does it change? Or does it change because you begin to find success? And I wonder about that, you know, because it's like you, what we're really trying to do is look for, I mean, it, it terminates in looking for happiness. That's the end goal. Right. And to reverse up the driveway here, like we get to that by looking at the things in life that give us a sense of feeling more alive what are the things that we do that give us that feeling? For you, it's podcasting, I hope, you know? Very much so. And so you're doing that, not because someone's forcing you, you're doing it because it's giving you this buzz. Like, yeah. that's what kind of some of me and a few of my friends talk about. It's like, in you know, all of our careers, it's like, we just do it for the buzz. I don't care about money or attention. It's like, it's all it's you know there for. And it's like, so you do it because it gives you that feeling. And like, there is, no, <laughs> out of context, this could be weird, but there's no meaning in life, right? Like meaning is stuff that we create. Like life is just life, but meaning we, have to, we cultivate. And so that feeling in podcasting for you is meaningful because it gives you that feeling and you start putting energy into it, right? So now it's you're building meaning into your life. And a lot of your life probably focuses around the podcast because that's growing and it's meaning and importance in your life. And through the process of continuing to build that, it builds fulfillment. Because now you're seeing results from something that's giving you meaning. And then happiness is like an afterglow. It's like a steam that comes off of feeling that sense of fulfillment. And you can turn it into a kind of a cycle where it keeps growing and growing and growing, right? And so I wonder if like, how a person, we need to, what we need is a third guest, someone who really wanted to do something, but never had any success (laughs) and is old. It's like, so how do you feel?
0: (laughs) But what is success in that context, right? Like is success like, like a lot of people paying attention to that thing? Like I I often find this fascinating is like in today's day and age, it's like, we view success as a lot of people are looking at that. So it's good. Yeah. It's like, In what way? In what way is a lot of people looking at something an inherently positive thing? And I feel the inverse. I feel like
1: the most of the cool shit is the stuff that people don't really know about, Yeah, you know? What do you mean by that? It's like, and my favorite books are not bestsellers. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite movies are, you know, not people, you know, they're weird, obscure, and old, you know? And that's the good shit. It's like stuff like that is unknown is unknown because it's so it's takes more energy and time and patience to digest. And most people consume content or wisdom or entertainment in a passive way because they're so because life is so difficult. They're (laughs) like, I'm working 50, 60 hours a week. I got two kids. I got a partner. This life is like I got to turn the dishwasher on, you know, like this is exhausting They don't have time to sit back and watch a Kurosawa film for four hours and think about it, you know, which I totally get. Um, But that means that a lot of the really rich stuff flies under the radar, you know?
0: Yeah. And also it's rich to you. Like it is inherent, it's unknown likely because it hasn't hit everyone at that level because you know yourself and you know your tastes and maybe, or maybe you don't know your taste and you want to explore your taste because you're like, all right, like, is this going to be right for me? Is this going to be right? The fact that it's unknown points to like, that it might be even closer to you potentially like closer to your own true interests and callings yeah. and pursuits.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, you can also get deeper with stuff like that because there's generally not as much like preconceived notions about it. Yeah. So it's like, if everyone's like, man, you have, you seen this new movie? Like I, I felt that way about the everything, everywhere, all at once movie, where like everyone told me, everyone everywhere all at once told me that that movie was, <laughs> I had like 20 people telling me all at once, like, you got to check that movie out. And I was yes. like, cool. And it was really cool, but it wasn't like, I didn't even think about it the, an hour after I watched it, you know? <laughs> and so like, if you don't have all that noise around something, you kind of can discover something in a bit more low-key way that is rich, then it can like hit you in a, you know in an honest way. As opposed to like pretense, which is always nice.
0: Yeah, and imagine if you had watched that movie without the preconceived notion, exactly. would you have been like, "That was the greatest movie ever"? Yeah. Would I have said that as well? Like, I had this almost identical experience. Yeah. Where everyone told me to watch it, and then I didn't find I, it. Didn't stay with me in any way. Yeah. And I was just curious, like, huh, like, why is that? Yeah, I mean, also because just I mean, we could talk about
1: films like in what's happened like modern cinema, but I mean um you know a lot of it, it, it's like things are so produced now and that it's it's difficult for something that is a real gut punch to be made you know film wise nowadays or or i think with like a lot of stuff
0: well i i heard andrew schultz talk about this how there hasn't been a good comedy produced oh yeah in 20 years and i when he said that i was like holy smokes he's right yeah you know like i I didn't stop back to think about that and it's because from my perspective it's like a lot of the really funny stuff people are just creating on their own and putting it out there because maybe they have they're not connected to a studio or there's not as many people who are who are trying to produce the film to create something that it's like it's more pure in a sense Mm -hmm. what's your take on on why comedy hasn't (laughs) hasn't happened in In an institution or just cinema has changed
1: yeah well i mean it's it's just a matter of finance and internet so like they used to in you know films they used to take risks and go like hey you know we'll give tarantino you know 10 million dollars to make this crazy movie and because it seems exciting and maybe we'll see if it's a hit but things got so kind of algorithmically processed Mm -hmm. with uh you know all content, but with all, especially with films because they're so expensive, is that they're like, you know, people aren't going to the movies as much. They're also, you know, uh, the attention spans and the disposability of things has changed. There's no DVD sales to count, DVD sales and Blu ray sales to count on anymore. And so they're like, all right, we're either making a $1 million piece of shit that we're not going to promote or like give any love to, or we're making a $200 million movie that has been like so tested. You know, with an audience that like we know, we guarantee it's gonna make a you know make us money. And I was, <laughs> I don't remember where I heard this, but that now like with a lot of the bigger movies, something like a Marvel movie, which I got nothing against those, but um, they're like it's like eating ice cream, you know. <laughs> um, they have like a joystick that the test audience is this will we'll use when they're watching the movie. And anytime that they're feeling like good, you lean it to one side, and anytime they're feeling bad, they like lean it to the other side. And so, if the villain is on screen, like say Thanos comes on screen, and too many people send it the the feel bad to the too far, they'll be like, "Oh, we need to make him less threatening looking on screen, or we need to make him make a joke or something so that he's more likable." So like even the villains can't be unlikable anymore, you know. With those, they're just so packaged and does also they all I don't know if we're like getting in deep here but also structurally as i like you know paying attention to story arc and narrative and stuff like that and like a lot of the movies that are made now also follow the exact same like tired structure where but it's just like it's been copied and pasted in and in. so usually like normally a movie would be like here's a bunch of characters and they talk to each other about stuff that doesn't make sense to explain to the audience what the premise is <laughs> you know like that always makes me laugh in films whenever they're like hey how's it going it's like yeah good you, man i was just thinking about nine years ago whenever this happened <laughs> and the other it's like that. no one actually has that conversation but they got to tell the audience you know um and so they'll like do that and then they'll have an obstacle you know that they're trying to solve or whatever And then they'll fail and almost be crushed. And then something will happen and they'll overcome that. And then everything's fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's typically how stuff happens. But in like movies nowadays, it's like that happens like four or five times. So it's like, here's the premise. Here's something, an obstacle. And then they get beat down. Oh, the hero's not going to make it. And then they overcome it. And then they go up a little bit more. And then here's another obstacle. Oh, now they're really not going to make it. And then they go again and again and again. And then until everything's fine. (laughs) every marvel movie is like that
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's it's very interesting i mean i personally haven't watched a film in you know maybe in a long time it feels like even though i watch everything everywhere all once i don't like process it as a film. I'm just not very big into movies, but it sounds like you are. No, not really. Oh really? (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you have a deep knowledge of it. No, just an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Not an asshole.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I just like I don't know. Whatever I intake, I just like to I don't know, I just pay attention to it. It imprints deeply on you. Yeah. Or I just I don't know, I just pay close attention.
0: Yeah. That's it's interesting. Like it is really interesting that you like broke that down so specifically.
1: Yeah, um some people can mistake that for cynicism. <laughs> you you're not cynical. Uh no, I would just uh like to be realistic hmm. and see things as they are. Try and see things as they are as much as I can, yeah. But a lot of things that the the problem with seeing things as they are is that a lot of stuff in life is designed to fuck you over and to control you and to manipulate you into doing things and thinking things that you hadn't planned on doing. That could be films or marketing or commercials or podcasts or books or Instagram pages. It's all designed to take it like control of your consciousness and get you to have a reaction. And so like for some reason, like I talk about those things whenever they're, appropriate or whenever they are obvious because it's like i want people to be aware that they're being manipulated mm. and it's like in manipulated may you know sound like a word with a lot of teeth in it but like even if you're looking at instagram and you're looking at like some writers whose stuff is like really great and powerful you're like this is amazing like i love this i look for their posts every day it's like, that's great. But you're being manipulated in a way because that person's putting out stuff to eventually sell you something. Mm. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, they're going to offer you a book, you know? They're going to offer you whatever, uh, you know, whatever they got. Um, but it's like, just to be aware that there's a, there's multiple dimensions of things happening all the time is good because it helps you have more freedom because you become more of a, you know, sovereign being amongst a really complicated like consciousness controlling society
0: there's so much going on at all times and it's particularly when you open an app or particularly like even when you go to the grocery store it's like there's so much happening below our level of understanding in any given moment Mm -hmm. what have you found to be the best ways to increase your understanding of what's going on even though you you really can't like you can't understand when a trailer is going on how that's influencing you in specific ways and like how do you reconcile all of
1: that yeah i think well to what we were talking about a second ago like it's no accident that jeff bezos owns the wall street journal and rupert murdoch owns fox and elon bought twitter yeah those are they're trying to buy the control of perception yeah because they can you know those huge platforms are putting out the tone of like human consciousness because so many eyeballs are on those things in the way that any of them shape those things to generate and magnify culture and meaning and importance has a effect and entraining effect upon the awareness of millions and mil- hundreds of millions of people that are looking at it. So they're like, it's like, you know, if you control perception, you control reality. That's, that's it. And so that's what they're doing. That's what everyone's doing. Um, but how do you fight against that? Presence is so powerful because if you're more self-aware and you're less distracted by the noise of your own life, you see things as they're happening with a lot more clarity, you know? So like, if like if you if you're in you mentioned seeing like an advertisement or something like that like normally perhaps if you're you know busy and you're on your phone and you're doing this and like whatever and the advertisement happens you're like okay it just kind of gets like logged in your brain and whatever but if you are aware like oh there's an advertisement that's trying to get me to do feel this or do whatever like really it's probably trying to get me to have an emotional reaction based on something from my childhood that I can't quite define so that I'll associate that emotional feeling with whatever stupid fucking product that they have so that eventually later I'll forget I saw the ad but then have that feeling still when I see the product next time and then buy it because I want to feel safe like I'm at home like that's the function of most of that type of stuff but being aware that that's they're trying to get that to happen to you is just kind of important because you can stop it in its tracks yeah, you know, unfortunately for me, I don't feel any emotions.
0: So, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> were, were there any examples of like that happening in your own life where you noticed it? You noticed that that advertisement was leading to a a trigger from something from your childhood. Oh, I mean, like a hundred times a day. <laughs> oh, really? like, yeah. You notice yeah. it? Like what's? Yeah, it's just a textural
1: part of existence. It's like everything around us is always in people too. That's the other fun thing. Is like. Say you go into a place like before I would get an espresso at the coffee shop next door before I came in here, and say I walk in there and I see like everyone is responding to everyone else's like is time zone, so like people are moving and like noticing each other and positioning themselves in relationship to other people, and some people aren't. Some people are taking up more space, you know. Some people's body language changes. They their chest expands. You know they may get taller. They may shrink into themselves. Their eyes. You know they look down. They make eye contact. They have. You know scattered. Uh, you know focus in their eyes. And it's like everyone's just sort of constantly doing that dance with each other too. You know, and it's it's really interesting to to watch. I find it interesting. Like what do you learn from that? Like watching all that. Uh, well, you can. I mean, it's just kind of, it's fascinating that you learn, like, a couple of, I mean, one thing is that you see <laughs> unconscious and subconscious behavior on an animal level, which is really fascinating, but then you see conscious behavior of people, like, trying to fulfill the story of themselves in each moment as well, Ooh. to, like, hold on to the attached sense of, like, who they need to be in that moment, to preserve the safety of identity, you know, um... I mean, all those things are really interesting to me. And I'm very, like, naturally anti-authority. I have this real problem with authority um, because I want everyone to just, like, be free, you know, within themselves. And um, so I like to try and – I've spent a lot of time trying to get that stuff out of myself because I want, like, to be free. Like, the authority – I don't want to be under the authority of my own mind,
0: (laughs) Well, you also don't want to be under the authority of being anti-authority. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because isn't that an, its own authority? Like, Absolutely. I, I'm i this person who is anti-authoritarian and I don't want you to have control over me. So I'm going to say that <laughs> yeah, I... Totally. It's like a, a circle yeah. in a way. It can be. Absolutely. How do you release
1: that? Yeah, yeah. I just try and step out of it, you know, so it's like you, like, you don't put any energy into working against it or working like with it. And so you just can, that's why I'm comfortable with silence for 15 minutes. <laughs> Cause it's like, I've just worked with that so
0: much that it's like, well, let's just sit here and be, <laughs> you know? I, I like to end these podcasts with a challenge for people. Cause you take the information we've been talking about for the last hour plus, and you you sit there and you're like, all right, like now what do I do? and i like i think a challenge spurs somebody to take an action from the things that they've learned or haven't learned or enjoyed or haven't enjoyed so is there a challenge that comes to mind
1: oh i thought you were going to bring one up uh let's see a challenge that comes to mind yes um try talking to a person instead of talking to your idea of a person so it's going to be in a little experiment you can do it with You know, if you really want to get crazy, a family member. or (laughs) There's so um, many preconceived notions with a family member. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Or just someone you meet, someone that you work with, a friend. Like whenever I came in here, for example, you have like an idea of who I am. And so you're talking to me and you're talking to that idea, right? Definitely. But it's kind of fun to, and can be enlightening to like, especially whenever you think you know who someone is, to not be pulled into your assumptions about like who they might be and how you should talk to them and just try and look at what's there and be curious as opposed to try and solving the equation of communication and look at it from like a discovery mindset and a curious mindset to see like what other hallways are available in this museum of this person's consciousness, as opposed to like, let's get to what's comfortable. And by doing that, one, it makes your brain an active participant in a relationship in a different way because you're approaching it with curiosity as opposed to, like, conclusions. And you can learn a lot about, like, you can discover how everyone is pretty bottomless. Mm. Like, there's just everything is inside everyone if you're open enough and willing to listen and to go there. And... Only, people only can get to that place typically because we're all sort of compartmentalized within our story of self. Someone needs to have that feeling like opened for them generally. So like you get the fastest way to make someone else comfortable is if you're comfortable. Yes. Right. The fastest way to get someone to talk about something like meaningful and authentic is if you just start talking about something meaningful and authentic because it shows them like, Oh, this is like, okay thing this is what the tone of this thing is okay i can open up and like talk about this and so doing that is really um a beautiful way to like learn and connect with people even the ones that you know that uh, in ways that you might not have before
0: it's a beautiful challenge and i'm grateful for you for giving yourself the space so that we can go there to deep places and exciting places of your own consciousness and I'm really grateful for our time together, not just in February, but also in person. Yeah. And uh, I'm really grateful for you for making me come to realizations and, and help and and uh, just spreading your truth and wisdom to the best of your ability. So thank you so much. Yeah.
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was good times. Yeah.
0: And uh, we'll send you to the Instagram at hey Corey Allen, the podcast the astral hustle (laughs) i need to change that you're changing it
1: (laughs) i mean i always think about it why because it's a mouthful and (laughs) i came up with it like almost eight years ago as a joke and i just (laughs) you know just stuck um yeah and also my instagram tag is is h-a-y cory allen it's all horse themed it's hey cory allen uh
0: (laughs) <laughs> horse, no, that one went over my head
1: yeah no it's it's hey h-e-y cory allen but i was joking as in hey as in what horses eat
0: gotcha i'm yeah. also hey danny miranda so oh okay. not not taking horses, after yeah, you not theme, no, okay, no. just hello all right cool but thank you so much for the time all your links are down below and um just really grateful for you man
1: yeah thank you